And I could have told him exactly what was going to happen. I feel like we kind of laid out what was expected and what was going to happen, all this stuff. But there's some things that, some things you got to kind of learn on your own. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ podcast. Now, let's get flipping with your host, Justin Williams. Hey guys, what's going on? Justin Williams here. Uh, today has been fast and furious. This morning, I went to my son's school and once a week I go and help uh, with their, their multiplication tests and I, I grade the tests and, and write down their scores, write down who passed and who needs a new one and who moved on. And uh, so my son's in, he's in third grade and this is kind of softly in case he can hear me in the background. Um, but like, he's kind of, he's pretty quiet he kind of he's kind of lazy sometimes just gonna say how it is right like my other two kids like aren't (laughs) hard workers or uh they're anyway they they just go for it right but he's always like laying around and kind of like moping around and not always doing his jobs very well and just takes a long time to do things and I started helping with his class in his class a few weeks ago and I got his multiplication test and he missed like almost all of them and I was like what my son I don't think so so we've been working really hard uh on that every day and I'm happy to say that in the last few weeks I take two tests a week he has not missed one uh one not missed one answer he finishes early and he he, he's tied with like the quote-unquote smartest uh girl in the class as being like the front runners of their multiplication and it's it's been crazy to see his his confidence grow and and he's doing better at other things and in other areas and he he wrote me a note today because I was the one grading it and he's like hi dad uh, I passed and it's just really cool like he had all this extra time they have two minutes and um it's just been incredible and I look at that as like in our lives and in our investments and in the things that we do in our businesses it's kind of like the same thing like either you're in or you're out either you're making it happen or you're not I mean he puts in a little bit of effort each day additional effort into this and now he's like in the lead as toward before he was like the teacher was concerned teacher was like I don't know <laughs> what's going on with this and uh where you and the teacher's just blown away and everyone's like blown away and he's like the hero so um anyway that that has been pretty pretty awesome so that's not even the topic of today's podcast that was a bonus for you guys <laughs> um so then after that, we've been working fast and furious today and uh, for the past you know few weeks and months, actually. But the events, the Flip Hacking Live and eight-figure flipping and seven-figure flipping events are coming up so fast. I'm like blown away on Sunday when I was kind of looking at my schedule for the week. I was like, oh my gosh, like two weeks, <laughs> two weeks to these events we've been working so hard for. And they are here and I'm so excited. Um, but I just got done writing this like entire, like brainstorm of all the things that still need to happen and be coordinated. This is after we've put in like weeks and months of preparation into this. And I'm just like, holy crap, we've got a lot to coordinate and a lot to figure out, but uh, I'm super blessed with an amazing team and I know we'll get it all knocked out just like you guys, you know, we've got all kinds of stuff uh, going on, but at the end of the day, Parkinson's law, you know, you give yourself that deadline and you make it happen. So um, something that has been on my mind a lot lately, um, actually, and that's kind of what I'm going to talk about this week is, you know, last week I fired just a few days ago, I fired my video guy. Um, and to give a little more context here, first of all, something at, at the eight figure event, we, we hired this guy, this consultant who does leadership training for fortune 500 companies and some of the world's biggest companies like executives of the world's largest companies and we we hired him we brought him in and he's going to do a four-hour training uh with our eight-figure group and some people might ask why you know why would you spend multiple five figures on a guy that's going to come in for only four hours and i can answer that in a couple ways number one we we want the best you know selfishly this is an area that I really want to grow in and I know our members want to grow in as well. It's kind of funny because not long ago I would hear the word leadership. It's just kind of one of those weird fluffy words. It's like leadership, leadership, like go out, get sales, like get deals, make it happen, take action. Like that's all that matters. Right. And that's kind of true at the beginning because most people never make it past the 
take action level. Most people never get past the offer club. Most people never get past the deal club. Most people never get past the six figure club. Most people never get past the seven figure club. But once you do, once you get past that amount and even beyond that, um, it starts to get pretty lonely. And by that, I mean, there's not many people in that space. Your world becomes very small and things that are important then are, are different. Um, like things that have been that I didn't care about before that are really important now are are things like leadership. Um, in running the housewing HQ program, the seven figure, the eight figure, the housewing formula, like all these different programs, and then running and then having the team um, within the program that we work with, you know, Vanessa, Kyle, Bill, uh, the coaches, and and everyone else. I wish I could say it's been easy. I mean, there are times when I have felt defeated you know over the past five plus years and sometimes it's a moment in a day uh, and I know you guys can all probably relate to this and it might just be for a few minutes might be for an hour and and sometimes it's for days or or even longer or weeks at times um and I just realized more and more the importance of of leadership and that is kind of one of my main focuses right now um so I wanted to Having all that been said, I that's something that we're starting to focus on more, and that's something not, that I don't talk about a whole lot here on the podcast, but I want to share this experience with you uh, that I had last week and some of the lessons that I learned from it or lessons that I had learned previously that I was reminded of by this experience in firing or having to let go of my my video guy. So before I dive into all the lessons, I want to give you a little context and tell you the story kind of of what happened. So a few months ago, as Tara and I were working on the documentary and we're, we're constantly making different videos for uh, marketing or the documentary or just or content or whatever it might be that we're doing. And I've always wished I had, you know, we've gone back and forth. We've hired a lot of like one-off or part-time video editors and people recording different events. We always thought, man, wouldn't it be nice to have someone like full-time, like someone who learns the vision that we have here at House Hipping HQ and understands what we're trying to create and knows how to work with us. And then we don't have to just bring in random people and try to retrain them and work with them. And to tell the truth, I I hate to admit this because this is like what I'm against is Tara and I have actually ended up doing a lot of the editing, spent a lot of time editing videos and shooting videos and a lot of this on our own. Not to mention we knew if we had someone full-time, we could produce a lot more content for you guys and the rest of the community. So finally the time came and we're like, okay, enough is enough. We're going to do this. We're going to hire someone full-time. And that was about three or four months ago or so. So we ran some ads, put out some fillers, and we got a bunch of applications. And we narrowed it down to our top three picks, uh, guys that seemed like they had a lot of talent. And we found this guy who was a young guy uh, who lived in Florida, actually. You know, we were trying to find someone local, but we just weren't finding the right person. So we extended our, our search and found a young guy in Florida who just graduated film school he had a lot of talent. We watched, saw a lot of his videos. We're like, wow, this guy could create some really cool stuff. We hopped on a call with, with all these guys, and, and this guy just stood out. He was passionate. He was like eager. He was hungry. He was ready to go and was excited to help us really grow our business and share the House of Being HQ message, the message that, that, that we have. So, so we hired him. We said, okay, you're in. Um, let, let's do this. And we arranged a time that he was going to come. And he came down. He came down from Florida, which is where he grew up. And he was here in California. He was excited. It was like Hollywood, right? I mean, this is where movies are made. Um, another thing I should say is Andrew had a goal, and I assume still has a goal, of making Hollywood movies. And he was just really excited to start his kind of new chapter in his life and come down and help us really blow things up. We were excited. So we extended him an offer, came with a date, and we were ready to rock and roll. So Andrew shows up, and I should say, and I, I didn't know this ahead of time, but later on I found out that this was the first time he'd ever flown in a plane. Like, he was afraid of flying on planes. A, a saying that he always has said to me since then is, I don't tempt fate. Which, anyway, there was a lot of things he didn't want to do. I mentioned the possibility of us sometime, someday going on a cruise with 
of one of our high level groups. And he was like, no, not me. I'm not going on a, I'm not going in the, on, a, on a boat anyway, in the middle of the ocean. And I don't tempt fate and all this stuff. So anyways, it was kind of interesting. So he gets on a plane for the first time, touches down in LA, uh, gets a, an Uber driver. Keep in mind this guy, you know, he's lived at home pretty much his whole life. He w- went to college, not too far away uh, for a little bit to film school, but pretty much has been at home, touches down, drives in the crazy LA traffic, uh, if, like took him like two and a half hours to get here uh stays he's living in an apartment in um dana point which is right by san clemente and the best climate in the world like amazing place like right by the ocean it's like wow like what a dream you know, that's what i felt i was like wow what a dream this guy gets to come out here and live in this amazing place and have this amazing experience so touches down drives crazy la traffic and with an uber driver gets here realizes the car that he had just purchased that he had shipped from Florida wasn't here. It was in uh, Riverside, which is further inland. So he's like, okay, I got to go get it. And they could have brought it to him, I think, the next day or something. But he's like, no, I need my, I need it now. Gets another Uber driver, waits for him. And little did he know that there's this thing called the 91 and crazy rush hour traffic going back to Riverside, which I'm, my, I grew up in. I'm, he basically went to where my parents live and where I grew up. You do not want to drive on the 91 during rush hour, especially going back. And that's what he's doing, right? So another three-hour drive, finally gets the car and and drives back. So his first day here is just like horrible. Uh, you know, I recently taught the lesson Job uh, in my Sunday school class. And Job has, it's called Job's Bad Day, where he like loses everything and has the worst day ever. Okay, I might be pushing it. Andrew's day wasn't that bad. But it was it was pretty tough. And once again, in hindsight, I found out that for at least a month or so, he didn't have a bed. He didn't have furniture. He didn't have anything. I mean, a young, young kid, he just he took everything he had, got this, new, not new car, used car, but new to him, traveled out here, spent all the money he had, had for a deposit to get a lease on this apartment, and... Um, didn't have any money for furniture or bedding or anything like that. So he had bedding, but not a bed. So just this crazy day, uh, the next day I think was Sunday, and then he came to work the day after that. Um, but he's still, you know, still is hopeful and, and ready to go and and make things happen. Um, just side note, of course, we didn't, when we found out he had a bed, we took care of him. Um, <laughs> made sure he had a bed and furniture and, and the basic needs that, that he would need. So when, when Andrew showed up on his first day, I mean, this guy was huge. And you couldn't tell from the video. It looked like he had like a little pinhead. But this guy was about my height, probably 6'2", probably weighed like 240, two, not 240, probably like 260. And like pure muscle. I had no idea. Like he's huge, right? Um, so, but that was cool. He's very, very soft-spoken, very, very polite, well-mannered. Um, and just, you can tell, just like eager and passionate. Didn't show a lot of emotion, it was kind of hard for me because I'm just kind of like a crazy personality, but I would I could never get him to crack a smile. Every once in a while, but very rarely could I get him to crack a smile and make a joke and nothing, nothing. I'm like, whoa, it's crazy. Uh, but still, great guy, very passionate, excited to to do what we were gonna do. But then over time, like I kind of started to change. Um, I could tell that excitement that he had started to wane. You know, and this being his first job, you know, he had to come in every day and and get to work. Yeah, that's what we do, right? Um, the the dirt that you got to move. I mean, he had these dreams of coming to Hollywood and creating movies, and he was excited. I don't know how this got lost in translation, but I think somehow he thought that he was just going to come and help us create like move. I don't know. I like it doesn't even make sense to me, and I. I, I don't know how this is possible that he really thought this, but this is what he said like later on down the road after I talked to him several times about, hey, you don't seem that happy. What's going on? And he's like, I, I didn't know I was going to be like a videographer. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so another thing that also like started to bug me was I noticed a lot of times he, he wouldn't take accountability for things. Like I'm totally okay with people making mistakes. I make a ton of mistakes. Everyone on my team, we all make mistakes. It's part of life. It's part of growth. But I cannot stand it when people do not accept responsibility for their mistakes because I am a big believer that if you don't accept responsibility and, and ownership for things when they go wrong, 
you can't change, you can't improve. And it's just difficult to work with those kinds of people. You guys know what I'm talking about. So this happened, but I would, I, you know, kind of work with them on it. Uh, one time when we were at the, the Baltimore meeting, he, he didn't have like the equipment that he needed. And so we had to go, I had to go with him to Best Buy because he didn't have, he couldn't afford to pay for it on his own. And then we could pay him back. Um, and so I had to go with him, get a hard drive and he got the wrong hard drive. And after all this work, like I'm supposed to be there running the event. And then when we get back and he's like, he's like, they gave me the wrong hard drive. I'm like, what do you mean they gave you the wrong hard drive? Like, that's the one you bought. I saw you buy it. He's like, no, but the guy, he gave me the wrong one. Like he should have given me the right one. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I just did this, all this trip with you, got this hard drive. It's the wrong one. And now to make it 10 times worse, you're not accepting responsibility. I was like, ah, like, I was like, okay, we got to get through this event. Not get through the event. The event was amazing, but I got to get through working with you on this event. It was his first event. Um, and it's funny because he kept talking about how much he loved Baltimore. And I'm like, well, this is the first time you've like actually gone out. Like here, he was just always, he always had this like negative attitude. We called him Eeyore, not to his face. But I was like, oh my gosh, he's like Eeyore. It's like drains and sucks out my energy because he's just always, he's talking about how much, how much better Florida is. I'm not knocking Florida at all, but how much better Florida is than California. I mean, he lives in Dana Point, the best weather in the world. He complained that it didn't rain. He complained that it wasn't hot enough. I mean, do you hear what I'm saying here, right? Um, he doesn't like the beach. Uh, he doesn't like, you know, the, the quote-unquote traffic, which is funny because he only drove a couple days in traffic. Other than that, like coming to our house or, and working with us, like, and a lot of times he worked from home, like not a lot of traffic, right? But it was just always just heavy feeling. Uh, he didn't express his things a lot, but when I would dig in, he I would hear about it, right? Um, so I get, you know, being homesick and, and it's being a new thing, but it was just kind of, I got to the point where I didn't want him to come over. Cause I was like, dude, I am on top of the world. I do not want to be left down, feeling down. And I talked to him a couple times about, Hey, if look, man, I, I want you to be happy. If you're not happy, like you should do something else. You know, I'll fully support you. And like, I know you came out with the committed, committed to work with us, but I'm okay with that. Like if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. I'm never about forcing someone in a situation where they don't want to be in. But having that been said, I also knew that, he was in a lease and I didn't want to put this kid I knew didn't have extra money out, you know, not on the street, but like out there and not be able to pay his bills and, and create some problems for him. I knew his parents didn't have a lot of money and uh, he was also really talented and he was passionate and my personality, like I like to see people succeed. I don't like to see them fail. I wanted to teach him these life lessons and help him and, and get it figured out and pump him up and get it fired up. So we'd have these conversations and it'd be good. And he he appreciated them and it was good for a day or two and then it'd go back to the same old wah, 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 and um it, it's crazy i mean in the time he was here so some of the things that they were in his own control right his his uh, attitude towards things but then also like he ended up uh, he told me this later on i guess he ended up in the er a couple times when he was here he uh, almost totaled he got in a, an accident uh almost totaled his car someone else apparently hit him uh he got like burned on his face a little bit had oh his transmission blew out like he got a new car and then the transmission blew out had to get a new car and then his car got hit right so literally like i get it like he had it rough like moving to a new place like i man i get all that but the attitude on top of that and then not accepting accountability for certain things just uh made it difficult made it really hard so a couple weeks ago i had a pretty direct talk with him where i was like hey look like you got to decide like are you in or are you out you know, no more halfway, no more like half in, half out. Like we got to be all in. And I let him think about it for a couple of days. And he's like, okay, like I'm all in. And we both agreed that we'd revisit it in 90 days. I said, I don't want this to be your job forever. I don't think it's your dream job. I don't think it's what you want to do, but you got to be all in or out, all out when you're here. And he agreed to be all in and he was, and he was fully committed and was like, wow, this is changing. Things are way different. And then it all came to a head, uh, last Thursday, just a few days ago. So he came over to my house and we were going to be recording these videos, these three videos for some marketing that, that we are doing. And we recorded the first video and it was, it was great. And then we recorded, we're starting to record the second one, but I could tell something was wrong with the, the audio. He was checking the audio. So he, something was, I was like, Hey, is everything okay? I said, Take your time. Let's get it figured out because I've spent a lot of time preparing this and we had stuff written out 
on the uh what's it called the the not the board but the paper that you write stuff on the flip chart thing anyway i don't know what it's called so we we had a bunch of things written on there like tara had written a bunch of things because she has much better writing than i do then i was just going to write like a few small words and so i said okay just make sure you know take your time make sure we're good before i shoot this because it takes a lot of energy and effort and i don't want to have to redo it again and he's like oh no we're good we're we're totally good i'm like you sure he's like yeah i'm sure you know he's very i don't want to say prideful but like he was he's like no we're yeah, we're good i got i got this you know and i'm like okay cool let's do it so I, we did it like it went really well uh, i took a good half hour i was pretty drained by the end i was like oh, okay i gave it my all and i was really happy with it and then he comes in five minutes later and without apologizing with anything like it's like hey we're gonna have to shoot it again and i was like what what do you mean? Like without explanation or anything, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to redo that one. I was like, "What do you mean? We're gonna have to redo it?" <laughs> I was like, "They did it not." I was just like, just trying to like keep it cool, you know. Um, and he said, "Yeah, it didn't get the audio." I was like, "What do you mean it didn't get the audio? Like, what is what is it like?" I said, "Did you do something wrong?" Like, and he's like, "No, no." That like I, I was like, "I'm not sure what it is, but I think there's something wrong with this lavalier. Like, I I think it doesn't the equipment, man. Something's wrong with it." And I'm just like. Okay, and I kind of lost it. I didn't totally lose it. I calmly lost it, right? And I said, look, I am okay with you making mistakes. It's going to happen. I am okay that we have to reshoot this. I live with that every day of my life. Things go wrong. And you know what? We stand up and we keep going. That's what we do as successful you know, investors and business owners. We keep going. And I'm okay with mistakes. They're going to happen. I said, what I am not okay with is when people, and in this situation right now, when you don't take accountability for it, when you don't take 100% ownership. And I, I elaborated a little bit more, and that's when he went off. And talk about passive-aggressive, right? Like, I, this guy is, like, the most cool, calmest person I've ever met. He just went off. And he's like, you're saying this is on me? He's like, this is not on me. Like, no way. Like, he went off about how this was not on him. It's the equipment's fault. This is not his fault that this wasn't working. And then he proceeded to go off about how I never like tell him what to expect. And I'm not clear with what I, what I'm doing. And like the, the sharing, like what I want him to do, like just all these things like that he'd been like holding inside and, and all of that. I was like, wow. Okay. So I took a deep breath and, um, in my best, you know, I've been practicing a lot of active listening and empathy in my marriage and so my best active listening trying to put myself in his shoes uh voice I called myself and I said okay I said I, I can appreciate that I said Andrew I can see how working with me could be frustrating I like I've taken a lot of personality tests recently and I I'm kind of like up in the clouds with, with my, my vision of the way I see things. I said, I don't usually know one day to the next exactly what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. I have an overall idea, but things like this, like shooting video. Yes, you are right. Like I will change that. I will change it from one minute to the next. And if that doesn't work for you, like I, I totally understand that's, that's totally cool. And I'm not saying that I can't improve that, but that is kind of part of my personality. And, you know, the truth is, like, you work for me. I don't work for you. So you kind of answer to me. Like, I don't answer to you. Like, I don't have to tell you, like, exactly what I'm going to do from day to day. And if you feel like I should or need to, like, I, I get it. Like, it's fine. That you're right. But then then we shouldn't work together. And you can go work somewhere else. And I'll wish you the best, you know. So he kind of he stopped for a while. And, uh, he said, he said, okay, um, then tomorrow will be my last day. And I think he was shocked with my response. I think part of me was really excited. Cause I was like, yes, you know? Um, but I was even more than just for myself, like, it was like this huge weight was lifted off, but I was happy for him because and I said, to him, I said, Andrew, this is the first time that you have taken accountability for yourself, for your own actions. Because you're no longer, like if there's something you're not loving about your situation, you are choosing to change it. You're being your own agent and you are changing that. 
So I said, good for you. I'm super happy for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're doing this. I'm excited for you. And, and he was like shocked. I think he's like, okay. So I could tell he, had pre- he's like, okay, that's cool. Like it felt good. Right. It was kind of intense. It was pretty intense. Like I can't really convey how this went like this. It could have been, we could have made a movie out of it if it was recording. I should have been like, keep recording, Andrew, keep recording. Let's record this. Right. But it got, it got pretty intense and made me grateful for all the ups and downs of things I've had to go through with past people I've worked with. Cause I've learned like how to communicate with people in such a way that allow I don't know it's hard to explain but those of you who have worked with a lot of people will probably understand what I mean so the crazy thing is after that I'm like okay let's keep shooting so we shot the next video uh it went well and then we agreed uh, he worked on like editing those two videos and then we agreed that he would come back the next day and would shoot and edit the final video would part our ways as, as friends and and wish each other the best Oh, so something I need to insert in here before I share what happened on Friday is before the Baltimore event, uh, Andrews, he's like, hey, we need to get these on. So he's like, what's our like production budget? And I'm like, production? We don't, we're not like production studio. We don't have like a production budget. I said, if we need something, let's let's make it happen. But what do you need? So he's like, I need, I need these lenses. And these are like $10,000 lenses for these three lenses. Um, so super expensive lenses, right? Uh, at least for my standard, I was like, whoa, $10,000 for th- three lenses. Uh, he's like, hey, I got I got the camera, but I need these lenses. Like if we really want the top production, like really incredible videos, we want to create the incredible videos, we got to get these lenses. And I gave a lot of pushback. So I was like, I don't like, I I don't think we need these lenses. You know, I, we shot lots of videos without these kinds of lenses. But I was like, I knew he believed he needed them and I wanted him to be at his best. And I thought, okay, like if he's going to give us his best and he really wants these, that's fine. Let's let's make it happen. But it was, you know, it's there's a lot for lenses, right? For me especially, because um, I'm not a big video person. So we got the lenses and they arrived just before the event. So I had them shipped to his house so he could like use them and and make sure he kind of knew how to use them and and was ready to go for the Baltimore event. So um, he told me when they showed up. Like I could tell how how much he loved those lenses when he held them. He's just like he got that glitter in his eye, and he loved these lenses. He told me when they showed up, he cried, and I believe him. So he loved these lenses. We went to Baltimore. I he was like carrying them around. It was just like a big mess, and I was like, oh my gosh, like we we can't have this, right? You're, you got to be on on it. You got to be recording. You can't lose these and all this stuff. So anyway, he he ended up using like one or two of them here or there, but just one at a time. Um, but it was great. So we, we get back and he he puts together this incredible video. It took a lot longer than I thought it would take, but it ended up being a, a great video from this event and really captured the essence of what we had done there in Baltimore with the seven-figure group. And and it was awesome. Um, but then I sent him to Kyle because we were going to put him on Facebook. And um, Kyle didn't know all the story. He didn't know about the lenses and all this stuff. And he just replied. He's like, hey, Andrew, that's this is awesome. Um and Kyle knows a lot more about video. I guess he has like a, a degree in films. Kyle has like two degrees. He's like, anyway, lots of school, really smart guy. So, and he's like, hey, you know, you can't use this kind of lens because it doesn't work on Facebook. And me and I heard that too. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't believe he's bought these lenses that we can't even use. But I'm okay. I'm okay with the mistakes happening. 100% on me. I, I let him do it. I didn't know. We didn't know any better. Um, and we still had a cool video. It's like, okay, maybe we'll use this every once in a while. No big deal. But bottom line is we threw away 10 grand or we had to sell them, sell them or do something with them. But whatever. For the time being, we just kept pushing forward, um, creating videos with the lens that he already had, uh, with, already had for his camera. Okay, so now back to Friday. So this is his last day. He comes in. And I was talking to Tara ahead of time, and we were just like, you know, Andrew's a great guy, but we both felt the weight. Like, every time she'd give him feedback, I'd give him feedback. He just, you could just tell he just wasn't taking it in, and then he kind of did his own. It was, just, it was just really hard. It was like, oh, this is so heavy, so hard. Um, so we decided, hey, let's just have him come, download what he has, and we'll part ways. Like, I'm bringing all of our equipment that he has, and we'll wish each other the best. So I intentionally waited until like half hour before he was going to come over to let him know, hey, to bring the lenses. I knew he loved those lenses. I knew he was going to bring them. I assumed he was going to bring them. But I 
it was just I didn't want to have to think about it too much. So right before I was like, hey, I just want to remind you to bring the lenses and the equipment that you have. And um, he responded. He's like, okay, copy that. Sounds good. And then he responded a few minutes later, and he's like, hey, I know you said I can keep like the furniture and the beds and all that, all that stuff. Um, would you mind if I kept the lenses too? You know, I'm going to be you know doing some work for other people, and this is like my bread you know this is what i need to like be able to do that this is like my bread and water right like i need these lenses to be able to do that which i knew wasn't true because i knew the lens he had worked great and i was like no, like i don't and, and so I, I responded i was like heck no you can't kill like just let, like kind of like it was almost like the sense of like entitlement in a way like he felt like the lenses were he could use them and they were his i'm like dude you worked for me for like three months you're it was kind of a pain we made it happen we both learned from it but now you like at, literally asking to keep these ten thousand dollar lenses, and this was after he chose to quit yesterday. You know, I I said I fired him, but I guess you know I didn't, I didn't really fire him, but he kind of chose to quit, right? Um, and then he wanted to keep these lenses, and I was just like shocked, you know. But I didn't in the, in the box back to him. I wasn't like I was like heck no. I was kind of joking with him. I was like, hey, if you want to borrow them sometime, I'll talk to Tara. I'm sure we can make that happen, but like, no, these are, these are our lenses and we need to let, you know, the next guys or whatever. Right. But I just more didn't, I, I didn't want him to come here just out of college and, and, and like feel entitled and feel like people are just going to give him things. Right. Like you got to earn it. And as hard as that is, I've been through it. Like you guys have been through it. I've seen other people go through it or not go through it. And it kind of messes them up. And I knew he had to learn some things the hard way. Um, so I said, no, you can't keep them, bring them, but maybe we'll let you borrow them if you need to. But like, you can rent, you'll get it figured out, man. Don't worry, you'll get it figured out. So he came over. Of course, he didn't have the lenses when he came in. We'd let him know, hey, just download everything, like get us your stuff and uh, you can take off early today and go, you know, do your thing. And on top of that, I forgot to mention, we were going to pay him another month's pay so he could just, you know, go fi- as he found other work and stuff like that. I wanted to make sure he was taken care of. So when he was about to leave, I, I asked him, I said, hey, um, what about the lenses? Do you have the lenses? He's like, oh, yeah, they're in my, they're in my trunk. I'll, I'll go get them. So he goes out and he grabs the lenses and he's like carrying them, you know, these big old arms. Um, and they're each three, like have a separate case because that's how valuable these are, how nice they are. And he's just like, all of a sudden, like I, I could tell this guy is just, he's broken, right? You can tell he's just like about to lose it. He's like tears are starting to stream down his face uh, or not really stream down his face at this point. But they're like welling up in his eyes. And he's just like, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do without these lenses. He's like, um, listen, he said, I have $6,000, which I didn't know he had. I don't know how he had it uh, <laughs> in my, I have saved up. It's everything I have. He said, can I buy these from you? He said, I will pay you for the lenses and I will, you don't have to pay me the extra a month of pay and then i might just owe you like a little bit more but i'll pay you for them like i said these i need these these are my bread and water and which was ironic to me because i thought whoa like if you if i take all the money you have which i would have done it in a heartbeat because i didn't really know what to do with the lenses to tell you the truth i didn't need them i didn't really i don't say i didn't want them but i don't know what i was going to do with them i just principle right i was like no you can't have the lenses but then when he was willing to pay for him, I was like, yeah, I would do like I would do that from like a business negotiation perspective. Like financially, that made sense. But I knew I couldn't take this guy's like last dollar, like everything he had. Like I literally could imagine like he could be on the streets, right? Not be able to pay his rent. And he might have these lenses, but he wouldn't have anything else. So I said to him, I said, look, like I appreciate that. I I'm love the I said, you don't like you don't need these lenses. You're gonna be okay. And I said, hey, no, you'll be fine. Like, if you need them, let me know and we'll work something out. What You know, I, I wanted to have to work for it. I said, maybe you can rent them or you can borrow them or whatever. We'll we'll try to figure it out. And I, I don't know what it was, um, but he, he just like, he could not let, he couldn't leave these lenses. And I said, okay, how about this? I said, I'll talk to Tara. You write up a plan of how you're going to make this work. Because I said, I'm deeply, like, I'm concerned for you. And he said, I'll, I'll write the plan right now. Can you talk to Tara right now? And I was like, wow, like he really wants these lenses. I could see he was, he was broken. Like I'd never seen a man, especially a man this large in my life 
so broken. And I realized, and I said this time, I was like, wow, I said these lenses, like, like I realized these lenses were symbolic to him, right? Like he'd been through a lot and at least in his mind, and he had been literally, but also in his mind coming to a new place is the first place he'd been. And then on top of that, working through a lot of things in, in his mind and, and his perspective. And I, I didn't know what was going to happen to him. I could tell he was just, he was so broken and that on top of that, he was willing to, to pay for him. So I, I, I said, can you give me a minute? I closed the door. I went and talked to Tara. And I came back and I said, look, how about this? We won't pay you for your next paycheck. When we'll pay you the paycheck that you earned, but not an additional one. And I said, um, you can keep the lenses. And you don't have to pay us. I said, keep keep the money. We like you need that, you know, and, and we wish you the best. And that's when the tears just started to like stream down his face. And he uh I'd I'd never seen him so gracious um and hopeful. And I don't and he just he just gave us like a, a big hug. And it was funny because I tried to give him like a little hug or like a little man hug, and it was like there was he was like just like stone wall, you could tell he's just like broken. Um, and and then he he took him and Tara came, gave him a big hug. Tara was kind of overhearing a lot of this in the background. Was like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen here? Um, and then he he left. He drove off and and he left. So I mean, as as crazy and up and down as intense as this one, this is one employee, right? Like I've had lots of employees. And I know a lot of you guys have as well, or are working towards that. Um. I'm grateful for this experience. I'm grateful for all the experiences, but it doesn't mean that I didn't learn from it. And to me, if you don't learn from your experiences, then what good are they? Right? Like I don't have any regrets of anything I've ever been through. Uh, but that's, if you, if you learn from it, then it means something. Right? So I want to talk a little about some of the lessons that I learned from this experience and in working with other people. And I wanted to share those with you guys, if, if that's okay. Some of them I think were obvious, like through the story. Uh, and I just want to point out a few others and emphasize some. So the first lesson for me, and the biggest lesson for me, I guess, um, not biggest, but in this specific situation, the biggest and most obvious is I will never again, well, knock on wood, I will most likely never again hire someone if this is their first job. I just, I believe life experience is far too valuable. Um, you guys have heard me talk about college and college is what it is. Education is important in, in different ways for, depending on how you go about it. But nothing, nothing um, can take the place of life experience. I mean, me having the opportunity to like say some of the things I said to him and he took in some of it, right? But like he really struggled with the feedback we gave him. Um, but then the second day I on Friday, like there was a couple times where he, we talked about something he's like, Oh, that, that's on me. That was on me. And I've never heard him say that before. Um, but just that life experience, like the next person who hires him, like you're welcome because I'm not saying it's going to be easy, right? I wish you the best, but guaranteed he will have learned from this experience. He realized he's not just going to come out here and right out of the gate. Like you got to me, it's like, you got to shoot for the Hollywood movie. But you got to be willing to go through what it takes to get that Hollywood movie. You know what I mean? Like with you guys and your businesses, like you want to shoot for the stars. You want to shoot for that seven-figure business. But the thing is so many people, they want that, but they're not willing to do what it takes to get there. And the crazy thing to get there, like it's not really any like that much harder like physically and time-wise than it is to do whatever it is that you're doing right now. But you got to be willing to emotionally go there because nothing is guaranteed. Right, you got to be willing to take those steps day in day out without that guarantee of getting that thing, that paycheck, you know. Um, and with Andrew, it's almost like he he wanted that. He had this vision of what it would be like. And if you would have told him what it was was going to happen, he would say, "Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it." But he he just wouldn't have known, you know. Just this morning, Tara and I were having this conversation, and we're like, you know, like as humans, like we're kind of dumb, right? Like, and she didn't say we were dumb. Like I was kind of saying, I guess someone else said that, and I'm like, yeah, we kind of are. And she's like, but the thing is, like, I was like, we're kind of dumb because we have all this history of 
like since the beginning of the world, like of, of people like learning and like our life experience, but yet we still like literally like don't even know how to do so many things, right? Like I still don't know how to like raise kids and I, I kind of do, but not really, right? Like I still struggle with it. I still don't know how to be married, right? Like I kind of do, but not really. Like it's, it's a, it's a challenge day to day. Um, as investors, it's like you would think, uh, and business owners, it'd be so like anyone should be able to go out and start a business like super easy. And in a way I feel like, kind of feel like they can, cause there's so many people who have done it before and you can learn, but it's like some things you got to kind of learn on your own. And for Andrew, he had to learn this on his own. I could have told him exactly what was going to happen. I feel like we kind of laid out what was expected and what was going to happen, all this stuff. But there's some things that he just had to learn on his own. So lesson number one for me, and this isn't for everybody, but I'm just telling you some of the lessons. And this isn't very like, I know this lesson here isn't very like warm, fuzzy feeling. It sounds kind of negative. But like, I don't know that I will ever hire another person who it's their first job. Or at least I will always appreciate the the life and work experience that we get from other things that we do in our life. And that can be lesson is from bringing people into your team internally and for you yourself, right? Like that's why we bring people into the seven-figure group who have been through it, who are already doing six figures because we know what they had to do to get there because we've been there, right? So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is make sure, and I've talked about this before, that the people that you work with are willing and able to take feedback. And I mean, I think with Andrew, like I was just too excited and want to hire him and like, oh, you know, like, anyway, I could go into personalities, but Bill's analyzed me and my personality, taking personality tests and I want things done like yesterday, right? I am so like, let's just go do it, get it done. I don't really think through it a lot, which is good and bad. Um... But I, I knew better. I know that my number one thing is someone who's willing to take feedback. So if they can take feedback and they're you know willing to admit how they can improve, then they can improve, right? But if they can't take feedback, then it makes it really difficult. So make sure the people that you work with are willing and able to take feedback. Lesson number three, kind of going along with that, extreme ownership. So I just got done listening to the book, Extreme Ownership. I'm horrible with remembering who things were written by, but it's like Jocko something. I mean, it's these Navy SEAL guys who are actually really well known. People are probably like laughing that I don't remember who it's by. Um, but Extreme Ownership, right? Great book. I highly recommend it. And big part of that book is just all about, it ingrains it in your brain, like 100% accountability, 100% ownership. Anything that goes wrong in your business or in your jurisdiction of anything is 100% on you. And if it's not, if you don't own that completely, you can't change. Number one, you're a pansy. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Not really. Um, Own it, right? Own it. Because what you don't own, you can't change. So for me, I need to take 100% ownership of the situation. Like, it's it's my fault that it didn't work out with Andrew. I should have been more thorough in the beginning. I should have. There's so many things that I could have done, uh, but also, like, It is up to us as leaders in our business to make sure that our employees and the people that work with us also know and understand that from the get-go. And they do take extreme ownership. And if I would have done that sooner with Andrew, we probably would have figured this out a lot sooner than later. But also that is what allowed us to figure it out. Because I told them when I met with them on on that Friday, like, uh, or that Thursday, I said, look, I said, I need to work with someone. If that's not you, that's okay. But I need to work with someone who 100% can own this role of videographer. The person who is in charge of making sure the equipment is ready to go. Like, I don't care if you need like extra lapels, let me know. Like we can get those, right? You need to learn how to use them. Cause he, for some reason, he didn't really know how to use a lapel that weird, that, that well, which is kind of strange, but I don't know. He just in film school, they didn't teach him or something. Right. But he had like a couple days off. Like he could have studied, like I told him all these things. I said, you could have like learned how to use this. Like the times when you're flipping on your phone, you know, messing around on your phone when there's downtime or a video is uploading, like learn these things. But at the end of the day, and if you don't learn them, take ownership for them. So I know that you will, I know I can count on you. I said, we have this event coming up and I need someone there that I know a hundred percent is going to own this role. Like I cannot be thinking about do the lapels work? Are we recording? Are the things, is the equipment safe? Like I can't do that. 
I need someone who can do that. Are you that guy? Are you that person who can do that? So 100% ownership. You as the owner of your business need to take 100% ownership in everything. If there is something not going well right now or that you want to improve in your business, like it's up to you to change it. One of the things in that book, it said there are no bad teams or groups. There are only bad leaders. Once again, there are no bad teams or groups. There are only bad leaders. It's kind of interesting. The other day, a couple of weeks ago, something wasn't going you know, great in my, my family with my kids or something. And I wanted to like point the blame. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is on me. You know, I teach a a, a, a class at, at church every other week, and sometimes it's amazing, and sometimes it's not. And one week, I found myself trying to say, "Oh, I feel like the people that were there that day just weren't fully engaged," and like I was trying to blame them. Like, no, it was on me. And once I saw that and recognized that in both situations, it made me a better father, it made me a better teacher, and I know for you, it'll make you better in all the areas of your life as well and in your business and your family and and everything you do if you take that 100% ownership in your your marriage and your life whatever it is own it so you can improve it what can you do better and then hold your employees to that same standard lesson number 3 and some of these can um kind of bleed together but is perspective uh when we recently did our EOS implementation we came up with our core values and one of mine was perspective. Like perspective, it's so important to me. Like you guys have heard me talk about the yeah butters and like there are two kinds of people. There's people who figure out how to make things happen. There's people who figure out how to not make things happen. And perspective also has to do with the outlook of what how you see life. I mean, I knew Andrew had some bad things happen to him, but man, that guy was like a magnet to bad things. And he also had the perspective, like the worst perspective I've ever seen in my life. Like Who's like, oh, I hate it that it doesn't rain here and that it's not that hot. Like, I look, I get that you miss things, but man, there are people who would dream their entire life of living where he lives right now, like the best climate in the world, the best weather in the world, like some of the best things that, to offer, especially for a filmmaker, right? But yet he found a way to make it to where he hates Southern California. He hates everything about it. And I get like saying, hey, I'm kind of homesick. This is kind of hard. But when you double down with that bad attitude, it's it's really going to mess you up. So whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're hiring someone or whether it's you yourself, like your perspective is everything. Perception is reality. And your perception is your perspective when you really think about it. Um, there, I'm not going to get into the details of who or how, but I knew this person who would always say, hey, I, I can't find like any friends or everywhere I go, like people like this and that. And it's like, after a while, you got to realize like, hey, maybe it's it's you, right? So it's like, what can you change? Like we live in an amazing world. People are amazing. I mean, sure, like don't go hang out with people that don't like to work hard and aren't motivated and all that. But at the end of the day, like it's 100% up to you, either change your environment or uh, change your perspective on things, right? Like no one is really like out to get you, you know, like everyone's got their own crap to worry about. No one's really thinking that much about you. I hate to say it. But whatever you make out of life, like it's completely up to you. Uh, it's it's all perspective. So perspective is is huge. Number four, and this one's a little more tangible, uh, kind of like the first one with with me not wanting to hire like people who are brand new in the workforce. But number four is um, personality testing. So we've we've been doing that lately, and and it's something that Bill's really helped us out with a lot. Uh, number one, personality testing helps you understand people. Like the reason, part of the reason why Bill and I, I believe, are able to work so well together is we we understand each other. And a big part of that is like Bill, he's a little more analytical than I am with things, but he knows my personality. Like he knows my personality better than I do because he's as like a uh, engineer type person. He's analyzed it and he understands. Like when Justin has all these big crazy ideas, that's part of his personality. And not only does he understand that, like he appreciates it and then vice versa with him. If I'm thinking this big, crazy idea and maybe he's not totally like on board, I'm like, oh, it's part of his personality. You know, I can't just like throw all these crazy random things. It has to be a little more like executed in the plan and and stuff like that. Right. And that's just an example, like learning uh, Kyle's personality, Vanessa's personality, like everyone on our team and then the coaches and like understanding everyone like really helps us work with our team better. And it was funny because we, we were at this 
uh, EOS implementation and some people were in different certain seats or where they were. And we realized like, oh, like you don't even want to be there. But we assume that everyone is like us, but they're not. We're so different. So under personality tests for your entire team and understanding the personalities and how we're all different and appreciating that is huge. It's been huge for my marriage. It's been huge for understanding my siblings. Um, it's been huge. You guys heard me talk about like my cousin a while ago. And it's kind of funny because when Bill was down here and he wanted like I was going out to um, taking him to, to dinner and he was shocked that I didn't like have a place for him and these other guys just to like go. I like, I'm like, no, like I, where do you guys like, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this. Like, but he, he got it cause he knew my personality and I got him because I'm like, oh, I get your personality. And he talked about the podcast I did about my cousin. He's like, I'm like, wow, you're like my cousin. You know? <laughs> but like, like, oh, and it made me appreciate both of them even more. All right. So personality tests, understanding people, um, like not expecting everyone to be like you understanding how we all need to work together. Like we cannot run like my main job in the business is to come up with crazy ideas and just inspire and motivate and build high level relationships. That's it. Right. I do a lot of other things because I'm still in those seats, but the goal is for me to get out of those seats and understanding people's personalities and what they like and what they're good at is really going to be huge for you building your business. Now back to Andrew, if I would have been more thorough in the personality tests and, and taking these things, we could have probably figured a lot of this out ahead of time. And that would have been huge. Item number five, and this is kind of similar in just like a tangible thing, is from here on out, and we did this with the last person that, that we just brought on, is we'll have like a 90-day trial period. And them kind of understanding that I think is important for multiple reasons. I think it helps them continue to work hard for those 90 days. As to where after a while, it felt like Andrew was like, man, whatever. And it's like, okay, we're going to determine after the 90 days. Instead of me and Andrew having to always have these like awkward conversations and, and stuff like that. And I, I think it's really important for them to understand, hey, this is a trial period between both of us. And then if things don't work out from either one, we, we part ways and, and we can move on. Okay, so really quickly before we go on to number six, and not to digress here, but back to the whole like personality um, type thing. You know, I hear a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, a lot of investors, they're concerned with bringing people onto their team because they're worried that someone's going to come along and like duplicate what they're doing and take all their business and and leave, right? And while that is very possible, like a lot of people like that is not in their wheelhouse. That is not their personality. They have no desire to do that. And I used to kind of believe that and thought that, but even more lately have I realized that, like, right, like... I don't, I don't know how else to say this. Like I used to think that anyone could be an entrepreneur. Anyone could lead a team. Anyone like could and wanted to do this. Like not everyone wants to or, or will or does. Right. So like, keep that in mind, right? Like if you understand, if you do these personality tests and you understand what people's goals and visions are, uh, unless you're hiring someone that is very entrepreneurial, um, there's a really good chance, like, like understanding this will help you in hiring and building your team. Like you probably don't want to hire someone who is like wildly entrepreneurial. Number one, they're not going to be able to implement everything you want them to do most likely. And then number two, there's a good chance that they may not be with you for the long haul. So number six is as a leader, you've got to be willing to lead. You know, I'm, I'm all about like leading by example And I'm all about like the servant leader and stuff like that to a degree. But at the end of the day, like you've got to let people do their thing and you've got to be willing to lead. And that includes you've got to be willing to give constructive criticism and direct feedback. You know, with Andrew, like if I wasn't willing to give this direct feedback, I don't know where we would be. We would still maybe be working together and no one would be talking on anything or I mean, who knows? And and there's no way, as I look at the other employees I have that have worked out really well, there's no way it would have worked out, at least especially to the degree that it has, if I wasn't very direct with the things. I, someone needs to take control, like right? Like, at the end of the day, there can only be one chief and, and several Indians, right? Like, as difficult as it is, your team needs you to lead them. And you have got to be willing to do that. You know, the, the, the truth is, like, you, you're amazing, right? First off, you're listening to this podcast, so you're, you're pretty smart, right? But we're all amazing. We all have superpowers. 
But when you're in charge, like your team, they need feedback from you. They need you to lead. And I'm not talking about, oh, this is so hard. No, no, like create systems and processes that empower them and allow them to make decisions on their own. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. And just as much as people have a really hard time taking feedback, I found even more difficult is for leaders to give that feedback. And, you know, you do it with love. Like, you don't got to do any egotistical, I can't believe you're such an idiot. No. Like, but you've got to be willing to give it. You've got to be willing to lead. You've got to be willing to give direction. You've got to be willing to give correction. And that is just so essential uh, in order to be a leader, in order to grow and build your team and reach the level of success that we all want to have in our business and our life. So this next one is actually one that I'm still working on and really um, struggle with, I think. And I'm, I'm learning more and more, I think, why I struggle with this. But as the leader of your organization, the visionary, you've got to be able to share that vision. You've got to be able to communicate that vision. And I can kind of go off on different um, angles of this, but like two things. Number one, communication is huge. That's another one of my core values, even though we didn't pick it. I I think I'm going to make it one. (laughs) But communication is huge. But the communication I'm talking about right now, and we'll talk about communication another day on, on a different level, is being able to articulate and communicate and share your vision. I remember a while ago when I wanted to continue to grow the seven figure uh, group and I kind of shared some of my goals. And I think like some of, some of our coaches, some of the people in, in the, the leadership team, like just heard me share some of my goals, like on a podcast or something. And they were like, Whoa, 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 what's going on? Like, how are we going to do that? And, and I, I kind of got upset. I was like, what do you mean? How are we going to do it? You know, I was just kind of like frustrated. I was like, don't you guys get it? Like, we're just going to do it, you know? And, and I thought I was in the right, they were in the wrong. And it wasn't like a big, like, they weren't like all upset or anything, but I just kind of got frustrated because I was like, I don't really have to like explain myself to you is what kind of what I thought. And, you know, Andrew, I'm just, once again, taking ownership here. Uh, Andrew even mentioned that, like, he's like, you never really tell me where I'm, where I'm at, where I'm going. And, and and here's the truth, right? Like it is my company. Like I don't have to tell them everything. And that's part of it, right? Like your people need to understand that you're not perfect either. Um, but more and more I have realized like, wow, like probably one of my number one roles is to lead, inspire, and share a vision, share a vision of, of where we're going, how we're going to get there, why we want to get there. And I'll be honest, that's difficult for me. And as I've learned more about like my personality test, these personality, like Bill, I, I don't know. He said like my, on this one test I took, like my vision is like, it's and the guy the EOS implementer who came um he said it's like bigger like the separation of the number to the line I don't know all this garbage is like bigger than anyone he's ever seen right so that's good and bad right like I have this crazy huge insane vision insane vision like I literally uh not literally but like in a way I feel like I see like the future of like how I want and I'm not saying I'm like a prof or anything right but like I have this vision of how things should roll out and how they should look and how they could look and what can be accomplished like I don't even share a lot of my vision with a lot of my team or a lot of the people on here, like what I see as possible um, because most people, like it's overwhelming to them. And I kind of got that before, but now I'm really getting it even more. But I'm also understanding the importance of being able to share that vision and how you share it and how you motivate and encourage, right? So being able to share your vision, and I don't have the exact answer for you of how to do that right now, but what I would say is just know that that is important and know that most people listening to this are probably um, are visionaries. And, and there's different levels of visionaries and to different degrees. Um, you're probably a visionary and there's a good chance that most of the people that work for you are, are not. And that's okay. We all, we all need each other. But understanding that, knowing that, and being willing and able to kind of share that vision with them and communicate that well and learn and keep developing that communication and sharing that vision with them is really going to be important. And it's really going to help get you where you want to go. And so the last one I want to share, and these two, I, I was going to keep separate. I think they're kind of related. And it's like three, I guess, is empathy, mercy, and love. So first off, as a leader, I do think accountability and holding people accountable is is huge. 
But when I think about Andrew and his situation and why it was that at first I was like, no, you're not keeping the lenses. Like, yes, you have to do this. No, you're not like these different things. It's because I felt like he felt a little entitled. I felt like he had some lessons to learn. Like there was a lack of humility and, and whatnot. Right. Um, but when I saw this 260 pound man with solid muscle, (laughs) like standing there in tears, and it wasn't just because he was in tears, but it was because he was, he was broken. He was humble. Not only that, not only was he broken, but he was willing to give everything. Like he was willing to pay for and give everything for those lenses. Um, I knew that he had, he had, he had gone to a place I'd never seen him go before. And I put myself in his shoes and I was like, you know what? I don't totally understand what he's going through. We think differently. Like, but I've, I have been there in a lot of degrees and there have been a lot of people that were there for me. And even though I don't know that the lenses were really what he needed, I knew that was a, a metaphor for him that would allow him to, to keep going. I knew he had learned his lesson and this was going to help him keep going. And the truth is like, I didn't totally need the lenses or know what I was going to do with them. And I don't, I'm not the kind of person when I buy something, I don't like to sell it. Cause I believe hey, I can go make more money doing something else than try to sell this thing. And it's so, not my main focus. Right. So I was like, I just, we just gave them to him. Right. And, um, I don't say that like I need a pat on the back or anything. That's not what this is about. Right. It's just, but having that empathy, putting myself in his shoes and knowing that, you know, in this moment he did learn, he needed them more than we did. And they meant so much more to him and they were symbolic of his kind of new start. Um, I just think that's important. Right. And, and you gotta be careful because I know a lot of people, in fact, most people probably, um, they, they they wear their emotions on their sleeves with their employees like oh they just give people whatever like you can't do that right like we're not running a charity here but in some cases it's not it's not a science right it's an art it's a feeling um and we just knew at that time that was the right thing and empathy to me is is huge right like when you truly can put yourself in someone else's shoes and walk where they've walked and been where they've been and truly try to understand their situation, it really changes things. So whether that's with a spouse, with your kids, with any relationships you have in your business, like sometimes you got to stop. You got to take a deep breath. You know, use your best active listening. Um, let them know you understand them and truly do try to understand where they're coming from. It doesn't mean that you just bend over and say, yeah, whatever you want. Okay, you can, but you got to put yourself in their situation. And I think as a leader, that's, that's so key. So once again, in the book, Extreme Ownership, you know, I, I probably should look up these quotes, but anyway, ain't nobody got time, right? That's another thing about a leader. Sometimes like perfect perfection is the enemy, right? <laughs> like <laughs> I could, I could create a podcast a month or, or a year and try to make it perfect, or I can actually create them and get content and what I'm feeling and what can help you guys. And you guys are the same in your business, right? If you wait to try to make things perfect for me, it's like, Hey, we're going to create a podcast. We're going to write some notes. We're going to turn on. We're going to go. And it's the same with you and your business, right? Perfection is the enemy. Uh, but I digress in, in the book, he essentially says, if you can get any group of people with the same vision, moving in the same direction with like the same beliefs and like, like not the same beliefs, but like they all have a common goal and they're moving in that direction. Like you think it's so simple, but it's really not. It's really very challenging. But if you can do that, you can accomplish anything, anything. Sometimes people reach out to me and they say, oh, this person quit or this is hard. Yeah, it it is hard. And part of the reason it's hard is because it's not something you learned in school. It's not something you grew up with. It's not something that your friends and family have taught you from a young age or that everyone around you is doing. There's very few people that ever get to the point of even having the opportunity to lead. But if you are able to do it, if you're able to get a group of people moving in the same direction 
with the same vision and trying to accomplish the same goal, you can accomplish anything. So don't give up. Keep going. Keep pushing. Because there's people out there that need you and you need them. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode of the House Flipping HQ podcast. Uh, it went a little longer than I had anticipated, um, but but that's okay. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of it. So this is kind of like the last hurrah for the for Flip Packing Live. Flip Packing Live is literally two weeks from tomorrow. It's the time of recording this. If you're listening to it later, obviously it is a lot closer or it's past. Um, go to Flip Packing Live com right now. Hopefully there are still tickets left for you. If not, um, I don't know what to say, but <laughs> we do have a few tickets left. So go to flippackinglive.com and I promise you will not regret it. This event will change your life for forever if you allow it to. Also, if you are a six or seven figure income earner in the real estate investing space, if you're a house or wholesaler who's making six or seven figures, and you are interested in coming to our event uh, in like less than two weeks, uh, go to sevenfigureflipping.com, fill out an application, reach out to us, let's hop on a call. I will most likely, either me or Bill, will talk to you personally in this situation um, to see if it's the right fit. And we would love to have you if, um, if it makes sense. So other than that, guys, get out there, take action, keep making things happen. Uh, lead, lead your team, um, and just keep being amazing people. I, I love you all. I, I appreciate you. Uh, it, it means a lot to me that you continue to listen uh, each week to the House of HQ podcast. And um, I, I hope to continue to be able to serve you to the best of my ability in any way, shape, or form that I can. Just keep being awesome. Keep changing the world in your own little way, and uh, we'll keep it keep it going. And until then, well, hopefully we'll see you at Flip Packing Live or Seven Figure or Eight Figure Flipping. Uh, but other than that, we will talk to you next time on the House Flipping HQ podcast. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at HouseFlippingHQ.com HouseFlippingHQ.com